zone the city formerly known as Seattle now called Chaz <laughs> just kidding it's only a little zone inside of Seattle uh, it's got news it's got things going on and I think it's about time we caught up I don't know about you but I think it's about time so here we are the old Google search here I am Ye old working class observer, and uh, ooh, fucking we. Uh, we got news of the aorta. Um, I like that. Like a couple of these that I've been following a bit have already been like showing up. A couple of these uh, websites specifically, Google's holding it down for me. I appreciate that. Don't let me lose these sources. They're very vital to my cause which I hope to contribute to the cause. Um, so right away, uh, fuck the business. Like, let's straight get to pleasure, bro. Uh, it's Monday. Boomtown Rats in the house. And Trump excoriates Inslee, Seattle mayor, over autonomous zone. Um, I, everybody keeps using this word now since the president used it. Excoriates. Um... I don't know what it means, and I'm not going to pretend to, so I'm kind of pissed that everybody thinks it's cool to put it in their headlines and their tweets, so, you know, let's get in it. I think it just kind of means, like, scolds, um, yeah, fuck it, you know, the podcast can't see this, but might as well look up the definition, right, uh, (laughs) it's a disorder, so... Excoriation is a disorder, so we learned that. Uh, Censor criticized severely. So, alright. Could mean scold and it could mean shun. It's right in between the middle of that. Uh, President Trump on Monday, this is from The Hill, uh, laced into Washington Governor Jay Inslee and Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin for failing to break up a group of protesters who have occupied portion of the city, though he declined to offer specifics on when or how he might intervene. Trump has fixated over the past week on demonstrators living in what has been dubbed the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in downtown Seattle, ridiculing the movement as a group of radical anarchists. Don't forget thugs, Hill, please. Put some speck in our name, bro. Uh, he has focused his ire on Inslee, a former Democratic candidate for the White House who has previously tussled with Trump and Durkin, accusing the two leaders of being weak. Um, he wants force used upon these people. Uh, he wants force used upon civilians to, um, I don't know, enforce his, his rule. Uh, does that sound like a legitimate government? Uh, does it sound justifiable? Um... You know, if you go on the live feed still to this day, it seems like a very hippie scene. Incredibly hippie going on. 
hit the YouTubes. Again, you can find this in the archives of the YouTubes if you're listening to the podcast, or you can find it live on Twitch whenever I seem to find the fucking time to be able to do this. Um, let's see, where do the fucking... Alright, Seattle Autonomous Zone. These are just handing out sources, you know? You know? Knowledge is power, and I want to be the plug, bro. Alright? Let's see, you gotta find... Features live, boom, we still on YouTube. Oh wow, there's even more cameras than there used to be. Strange how it seems to be growing. Um, it's pretty cool. So yeah, you can go here. Uh, there's pretty, there's several. I'm 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 tuning in here on an Anunakai Jack, his channel with the live feed, and it's got about six cameras in different areas. It looks like they even have kind of a market, like a farmer's market going on. That's like the size of maybe like six hexagons. No, that would be like two hexagons in in a civilization. I over exaggerated that, but it would be like two hex. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they still have the beautiful mural that everybody, uh, you know, at Main Street, Black Lives Matters. It's wonderful. Look how peaceful it is. People just chilling. Just chilling. If you're in the podcast and you can't see it, you probably cannot see that they just chilling, but please take my word for it. Look up these videos. They are just chilling. It's great. Great. It seems like a cool vacation spot in a play in a time when like uh, there seems to be no escape. Uh, quote: You have a governor who doesn't do a damn thing about it, and you have a mayor that doesn't know she's alive. Trump said Monday. <laughs> if they don't do the job, I'll do the job. Trump added. But when pressed for specifics, the president demurred. He suggested he could do about quote, 10 different things, unquote, to disperse the gathering, then launched into a diatribe accusing the news media of failing to give the protests adequate attention. I would agree with that, and I'll get into that some more. Uh, Trump said he has no timeline for taking action, but that the federal government is watching the situation closely. Um, of course they are, um, and I'm sure timeline and timing is everything. Quote, so look, the government. So look, the governor has to call out the troops. Do what he has to do. Has to call out the national guard. Trump said. He has to do something because you know the problem with what happened in Seattle is it spreads, and all of a sudden they'll say, "Let's do some other city." We're not gonna let it happen. He continued. So, timing wise, timing's very important. Hey, we're all set to go. We're watching the process, but the most amazing thing about the process is how the fake news media doesn't want to cover it. <clears throat> uh, that was my comment. Protesters have been occupying the autonomous zone near a police precinct for roughly one week following protests where law enforcement used tear gas and flashbangs amid clashes with demonstrators. True this is. The autonomous zone has blocked vehicles from entering, though people can enter and exit by foot. The protesters are pushing for an overhaul of local enforcement, with some advocating for decreased police funding in favor of community programs. All right, I have uh, a bit of a issue with this issue of the Hill, is that, um, you know, the protesters are pushing for an overhaul of local law enforcement. A uh, great time to insert the Medium article that has actually all of their demands, not only asking for law enforcement change, but also economic and health and I think public schooling. Uh, the protest comes amid a broader national conversation about police brutality and racial injustice in the wake of the death of George Floyd. Um, police brutality and systemic racism. I wouldn't say racial injustice. Uh, conservatives in Trump in particular have seized on the Seattle protests and highlighted altercations within the autonomous zone to paint the group as anarchists and thugs. Don't forget thugs. We we, didn't, we deserve our cred, who, in, who illustrate the need for law and order. So because there's a bunch of anarchists running uh, six blocks in Seattle, uh, we really need law and order in a time when there seems to be a lot of lawlessness. Or maybe um, we need compassion when there seems to be a president who doesn't want to meet halfway on terms. No compromise is um, unfortunately a very authoritarian way to run a democracy. 
<laughs> I don't know if y'all feel that way. Still, it's unclear whether, back to the article, still, whether it, uh, it's unclear whether Trump will get involved in the situation. Uh, he has threatened in the past three weeks to send the military to cities dealing with unruly protests and to intervene when New York City saw looting and vandalism. But he has yet to take definitive action beyond Washington, D.C., where the federal government has more power because the district does not have a governor. Um, yeah. So I don't know if Trump would break laws by sending national troops there without the governor asking for them, but I think it's extremely bad optics and maybe why he's not doing it. Um, more to develop on Trump's hate for autonomy. <laughs> uh, that's still developing. Uh, thank the heavens that City Journal here is still keeping up with this because there would be no truth in anything that's going on in Chaz without the City Journal. And look, it's by my favorite same guy right here, Christopher F. Rufo, the only person on the City Journal who seems to be covering this. The state of Chaz. Yes, this autonomous zone is now a state in the eyes of most uh, far right, including City Journal and Fox News. They, The first night Tucker Carlson heard about it, he immediately called it a country. Um, so <laughs> they're trying to push Chaz out of the borders. Uh, think of that language as you will. All right, this is Christopher here. Quote from the article, The new state of Chaz has evolved over the past week following Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin's decision to abandon the Seattle Police Department's East Precinct building. Left-wing protesters have transformed the surrounding neighborhood into the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, Chaz, hoping to create a new political authority based on social justice principles. On its first night, the new microstate was led by the armed paramilitaries of Antifa. <laughs> Antifa has a paramilitary unit, even though uh, the John Brown Gun Club is in Antifa. So they're not really separate, but I have been hearing reports that the John Brown Gun Club is there. I'm not sure to verify this from anybody else, um, but that's what I hear. And they are extremely anti-fascist. Uh, but after preventing the return of police and securing defined borders, the Chaz has sought to implement civilian rule. And apparently that's terrifying. Civilians running things? Dear God! Almost immediately, activists established a social structure based on a reverse hierarchy of oppression. Native American, black, and trans women are the highest authority. Diversity determines individual social status, and whites are called upon to, to perform rituals of atonement. <laughs> this is why I love the right. This is they're so paranoid about the dumbest shit. All right, let's get it. Through a series of speeches and community gatherings, activists have sought to implement the social theory of decolonization, which in the words of Black Lives Matter activist Nikita Oliver means overthrowing capitalism, eliminating the structures of patriarchy, white supremacy, and classism, amen, sister, and returning the land of the autonomous zone to displaced Native American tribes. Um, <laughs> he's lying. Uh, in practice, the Chaz leadership has taken small steps toward reversing the power structure and redistributing resources. Black and Native American speakers have been, quote, centered in leadership roles in all community meetings, with white audience members, quote, asked to move past guilt or fragility and commit to long-term action and accountability. Um, I'm going to click this one source that they have <laughs> out of this entire article so far um okay it's from notes from the people's assembly in Chaz. so it's from another blog which has a pretty cool scrolling of scrolling effect um written by lily rabe rabe um it's her first article on northwest arts streaming hub Northwest Arts actually having a lot to do with uh, the Autonomous Zone. It's basically a district, right, of Seattle. Alright, well, okay, so this has definitely been open for a while. But this is the first that they've written about Chaz. 
article dated about actually four days ago. It's strange that they would put this giant article as a uh, as a source, but I guess powerful black and indigenous women stood up and shared their voices and their stories. One indigenous leader pointed out, we must talk about environmental racism, the racism that keeps us from protecting our mother earth. I guess he's just kind of abstracting leftist ideas. Cause I mean, even when you kind of go into this, I don't see a lot of libertarians and conservatives being that concerned with this kind of talk. Protesters were reminded that it is a marathon, not a sprint. A woman who has been on the front line every night of the protest urged everyone to take care of their body, mind, and spirit. I'm going to have to read this article completely separately because this sounds like a little bit more on the ground. But um, I'm going to get the article that he sourced from Chaz's Playing With Fire and get a bit of the last thoughts here. So this is from the source that he posted, which is another giant article about one person's experience in this area, which I would have to take a lot of time to read again without reading the rest of his shit. Um, so let's get to the quote. So what is my takeaway? Chaz needs clear direction, clear leadership, and clear strategy. A local leader, Vivian Hua, summed it up well. Quote, I don't think that the folks who are showing up are serious about collective liberation and will put in the work. Oh, I read that so wrong. Quote, I do think that the folks who are showing up are serious about collective liberation and will put in the work for the Black Lives Matter movement. They're even willing to suffer in some pretty intense ways. If one looks to the day after day of tear gassing that they endured. But there is a serious need for more systems thinking and education around strategy and organizing, especially as it is passed down from black leaders and natives as well. How long? So I think the person who wrote this article is a lot more hopeful than City Journal's Christopher Rufo. So he, uh, he sourced that uh, as proof that um, black and Native American speakers have been centered in leadership roles in all community meetings with white audience members. Um, there is no leadership. At the end of it, um, it actually said there is no clear leadership. So the fact that he's claiming that black and Native American speakers have been centered in leadership roles, it just scares the shit out of his readers, is my guess, to hear that black and Native American speakers are centered in leadership roles. Because this, this whole article is uh, fear-mongering. It's othering and it's fear-mongering. But after reading that article is the next sentence here. After that source, which seemed like a really nice source. Like, I actually might enjoy that read more. But I think it's important to see how the right political spectrum, quote-unquote, is spinning this narrative. Um, following the thread, I think... It's uh, pretty important to see the outcome. At one ev evening event, an indigenous rights activist with a purple bandana wrapped around his face announced a campaign for immediate small-scale reparations. Quote, I want you to give $10 to one African-American person from this autonomous zone, he said. Every one of you, and I remember your faces. You find that African-American person and you give them $10. There's no source for that, but... Uh, says it though activists have largely succeeded in creating a multiracial coalition the chaz leaders have sometimes adopted policies of explicit segregation with some space re reserved for bipoc bipoc quote black indigenous and people of color unquote Activist Marcus Henderson, an urban farmer with an engineering degree from Stanford created a shared agriculture project in California Anderson or Cal Anderson Park with a sign announcing the garden is for black and indigenous folks and their plant allies. Alright, well he actually has another source here. Click. And it takes you to an Instagram. That's my Instagram. Cool. This garden is for black and indigenous folks and their plant allies um yeah as you can see in this picture right here beneath the the sign 
uh, there is a white farmer. In fact, there's another one. And in fact, there's four people on the side there. And look, there's some people over there just enjoying a picnic. Um, it is not this hostile environment of segregation like the South of 1960s that Christopher claims it to be. As Henderson told reporters, the Irving Garden is a response to the question of how... I, I, oops, I, you know what? I gotta pause for a second because I need to follow this dude and like some pictures. Alright, I'm liking that picture. That racist-ass article sent me here, but I'm liking the picture. And then I'm dipping. Alright. Let's see here. As Henderson told reporters, the Urban Garden is a response to, quote, the question of how black people have been disenfranchised for so long, unquote, and a demonstration of collective land ownership, taking back property and really making it work for the people. Uh, honestly, those are not negative quotes. So I agree with a lot of that. It's just the spin he's adding to it is obviously like the type of shit that just scares white people who are too white for their own good. A few days after Chaz declared independence, activists began to consider formalizing the governance of the Atomic Zone. <sighs> Alright, he has a source for this. KUOW NPR reports Chaz choose on what to do next. It's about a five minute read. So, since residents business owners and activists are trying to figure out what's next for this hard-won territory. Uh, Chris is saying that they're formalizing the governance of the autonomous zone. So I guess in, like, terminology, and if you want to be a douchebag, yeah. Yeah, they're figuring out how to live together. It de-escalated pretty dramatically when the cops left the area, and this comes from a guy trying to remain neutral as we can. That's a quote from the article that this dude fucking quotes. It's insane that he can put these articles in here, and n the people won't read them. Like, whoever is reading his shit. And he's like an actual journalist. He's got a check... Oh, no, wait, I don't think he has a check mark on Twitter yet, but... <laughs> It's got followers. It's still strange, and it's one of the top things that pops up on my Google. Maybe Google wants me to read this more and figure out I'm on the wrong side. While the protesters were unified in opposition to the Seattle Police Department, competing factions have emerged within Chaz and are now engaged in a struggle to represent the movement. <laughs> yep, yep, it's infighting. Yep, and nobody can figure out who wants the power, who must have the power. Uh, Black Lives Matter activists like Oliver want the protest to focus on racial inequality and defunding the police. Socialists and anti-fascist groups have emphasized the radical political nature of the protest, with social alternative city councilwoman Kashama Sawant insisting that the occupation must be oriented toward the dismantling of capitalism itself and the progression of the socialist revolution. And finally, a third faction of predominantly white bourgeois young people has attempted to transform the Chaz into a block party with murmurous musicians and small vendors providing entertainment with political overtones. This guy is such a... Yeah, this guy's top-notch. Top-notch. Yes, yes. Thank you for the white bourgeois young people providing the art. <laughs> okay. Um, on June 10th, with the goal of building consensus, and, God, that, he's just calling everybody else uncultured in, like, the most slightest low-key way, but, like, still, like, throwing class underneath the bus, like, rich, like, dumb rich people are to blame as well, but, like, not all rich people. On June 10th, with the goal of building consensus and designating leadership for the movement, protesters organized the first Chaz People's Assembly. After setting up a stage and PA system, one of the initial speakers raised the question of legitimate authority, asking the audience, what's the structure? How are we going to achieve some sort of communal hierarchy that we all feel comfortable with? <laughs> I don't believe he did that. The audience booed and insisted that the movement should remain horizontal and leaderless. At the end of the People's Assembly, racial justice activist Julie Chang Shulman conceded that no leadership had been established, but that the group had settled on the ideological principles of an abolitionist framework. 
and, quote, commitment to solidarity and accountability to black and indigenous communities. Um, don't know how that's negative. With this vacuum of legitimate authority, the Chaz has failed to address the critical question of violence, and the most heavily armed and aggressive factions have become the de facto police power. Though the rhetoric of the autonomous zone emphasizes openness and freedom, the enforcers within the Chaz have sometimes brutally opposed dissenting voices. Oh, he's back. He's back. We're going to hear about this dude a lot. A revolving group of vigilantes, including the warlord, Raz Simone, the guy who opened for Macklemore, has forcibly removed conservative journalists and activists. In another case, massed Antifa partisans confronted a Christian street preacher and provocateur, choking him unconscious and dragging him through the streets. And yet, and yet, there's no source for any of these allegations. <laughs> we haven't had a source in about three, three paragraphs. Uh, all right. How will the Chaz end? Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin has signaled her willingness to provide up to $100 million in funding for, quote, communities of color. And according to one official familiar with internal discussions, city government is considered transferring ownership of the East Precinct building to local community groups. But if the Chaz leadership is unable to maintain the peace, city officials will be obligated to retake the zone by force. Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best has has suggested that serious crimes may be occurring within the Chaz and that officers have not been able to respond. I feel like that's actually one of the only few th true statements that uh, he's put in here, but the only thing I got to say to that is that it just seems like aggressive language to me. So I'm going to keep moving on. Sunday night, the Chaz nearly erupted into a wider conflict. A man dressed in black broke into the car tender, a local business, allegedly stealing some items and setting the building on fire. The shop's owner and heavily armed companion put out the fire and detained the alleged thief, prompting a mob of protesters to swarm the area, break down the fence, and confront the shop owners, believing a rumor that the thief was being held at gunpoint. After a tense exchange, Raz Simone, the warlord, and the mob eventually chased down the alleged thief and forcibly detained him. Despite multiple calls for service, the police refused to intervene. Not sure any of this is true because, again, no sources. And he's has the convenience of saying that uh, Raz had all the journalists kicked out. Um, it's not true. The zone's been fairly transparent with all these cameras and live videos. It's very strange to, to be hearing all of these um, violent acts, but they're only being reported on one side of the spectrum. And it's a spectrum of the side that I really, or the side of the spectrum I haven't really heard of, because City Journal is brand new to me, but it, it already seems like it's trying to swoop in on that OAN, uh, OAN, what is it, uh, One American News Network? success just trying to swoop in on that because since they can spread fake news like a motherfucker why can't he uh in the end activists may be more comfortable in the role of revolutionaries than uh that of state builders and here's where uh sir christopher becomes dumb is that there is no difference between revolutionaries and state builders or even revolutionaries and community community builders because really uh, a self-sufficient community is just a community of revolutionaries one could argue but hey we haven't really gotten there yet so maybe we can't argue that in recent days some have argued <laughs> that the autonomous zone's name should be changed to the capitol hill organized protest or chop an onomatopoeia for the swift downward flight of the guillotine mm, i actually may not be opposed to this i'm upset who thought of it which seems to be the right, but uh, I like it. Uh, whatever name activists choose, the governance of Chaz Chop <laughs> reveals a key flaw in social justice theory. In the absence of a legitimate police force, society does not become immediately peaceable. Instead, it can quickly descend into mob justice by empowering massed Antifa activists and armed vigilante leaders such as Simone. The Chaz is playing with fire. Unless a solution can be reached, it's a strong possibility that this utopian experiment 
Experiment will end in tragedy. Um, yeah, this guy uh, says that this is a crisis without much proof except for a beautiful Instagram of wonderful gardening and a couple of articles talking about how what a wonderful uh, hippie experience it is behind these barriers. Um, like it says right here from this quote on the NPR, K-U-O-W, NPR, which is I think they're local, NPR, it, it says, uh, quote, it de-escalated pretty dramatically when the cops left the area. And this comes from a guy trying to remain neutral as we can. As neutral as we can. And that's Jeff Scott, who owns a manufacturing business. And he had a front row seat to the protests and police response. Um, Taha Ibrahimi? probably pronounce that wrong in my fall quote i feel relieved to come out now ibrahimi said quote before i was scared to leave my apartment i was so happy when the precinct left because i could finally leave my apartment hmm. yep so i mean yeah it actually does have uh Nick Pennington, who seems to be uh, pretty upset, said the neighborhood's gotten dirtier. So, you know, you know, there's probably some people that's got some grievances, which I could, you know, see the community having to deal with and hear out. But uh, the violence that uh, Christopher F. Rufo describes in his City Journal article, just, I don't know if that scans. I don't feel that it scans, especially with the, the sources that he does not provide, um, not showing any violence. He describes very violent scenes with no sources, but then when he describes actions within there, the sources he provides send genuinely positive messages. So uh, you get an F on your report, sir. So mynorthwesthere.com is another one that's from the local. And it's already being cop called CHOP by Lauren Culp. Um, CHOP is what happens with far-left people in government. Um, as the Capitol Hill organized protest zone continues to operate without interference, and the question as to how the government should proceed remains open. Republic Police Chief Lauren Culp joined the Jason Rance show to discuss Inslee's handling of the situation. How would Culp react as governor to what's going on right now in the city of Seattle? I don't know. Welcome Peaceful. to the show, Lauren. So let's jump right into this. The community, uh, the Capitol Hill Autonomous me? Zone. Yes, we can hear you. Um, how do you think the governor has been handling this and the mayor has been handling this up until this point? How would you have done it? Well, it's good to be with you, Jason. And I want to let you know I'm uh, inside my car down in Pasco right now getting ready for a meet and greet here. But. Uh, the way that I would have handled the problem with uh, Seattle right now is not the way that Jay Inslee's handling it, obviously, not the way that the government in Seattle's handling it. But, you know, people have a constitutional right to protest. We, we all agree with that, right? Peaceful protest is allowed by the First Amendment. But as soon as it turned violent... All right. Well, I just got to say is that if you do not like the way that they have handled it so far, then you must, and then I have to assume that you would have pursued just more violence. You would have pursued more pushing and repressing of uh, police. You would have had another week or longer of uh, police riots against protesters. So, like, by pushing police back and allowing a zone for peaceful protests without cops coming in to smash everybody, a lot of people are seeing that as the wrong move. And I have to ask why, because the opposite of that move is to then just cause damage and cause hurt and cause pain. I don't see that healing the community whatsoever. Meeting halfway, having a peaceful protest zone where they are left alone to do their chants, to do their marches, to express their ideas with each other, to get to know their community. This makes sense, especially in a time when we're all so absorbed in our phones and this and that and all of the other. And now when uh, an actual community attempts to forget the state to actually learn its priorities, 
It cannot take it. The authorities no likey. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. But uh, a couple more articles on this, and then I got one more thing to read before I hop off. Fox News reports confusion reigns as Seattle seized six blocks known as Chaz. Purportedly changed his name to Chop. <laughs> See, it's only the right that is now pushing Chop. We're not trying to to secede. They're not trying to secede. Uh, uh, Fox News is funny. They, they quote uh, probably a protester or somebody that's there, part of the movement, saying that they're not trying to secede because they're not. Um, Fox News, the first night that they heard about it, said that they were trying to secede. Um, it's funny how Fox News is really trying to spin this as like something completely idiotic, and it really undercuts the First Amendment to a point where I think they really... Really, 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 really hate their viewers. They hate them so much that they want to feed them so much information that is bad for their democracy, like democratic, philosophical, political, all kinds of health, mental health, all of it. They just want to drain and suck and toxify all of it so that you're basically useless when it comes to voting or actively participating in issues. that's the truth though everyone from trump to local cops and this is from the daily beast not sure i'd always trust the daily beast because it's fascinating that you have uh, a, a report but also it says opinion opinion uh, pieces tend to be uh, a lot further down either side of the political spectrum like it could be left or right at this point i'm not really sure where this is going though everyone from trump to Local cops have expressed fear about the idea of anti-brutality activists being armed. They said it's essential to ward off dangerous extremists. Ah, uh, yes. I think this one might be an important read before I get into my last read. Because I've been re recently learning about the Puget, uh, or Pudget, or uh, Pudget, yeah, Pudget, uh, John Brown Club, where is it, John Brown Gun Club, or is it Puget, Puget, Pudget, I don't know, Puget Sound, John Gun Club, PSJBGC, so I'm going to read this one, just because I have been hearing of this group recently, and, uh, it makes sense because I was asking the other day, like, how are they going to protect themselves from extremist movements? Because without police, it does leave them vulnerable to boogaloos or uh, white supremacists in general, three percenters, what have you. Um, so, Seattle's bustling Capitol Hill neighborhood has long been a hotbed of gentrification. But right now, the streets surrounding Cal Anderson Park are undergoing a different kind of transformation. Over the past several days of its remarkable existence, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone has captured radical imaginations across the country and struck fear into the hearts of conservative politicians and right-wing media pundits, including the president. Also known as the Seattle Autonomous Zone, the six blocks surrounding Seattle's now-abandoned East Precinct have become a virtually cop-free space, populated instead by a diverse congregation of activists and community members who have turned into a bastion of radical care and artistic expression. Because that's what the left do, baby. <laughs> I mean, if there wasn't a political spectrum, I don't know what we would call it. But the, <laughs> uh, you got to guess that the, the, the ones who want radical change are probably really creative. Last week, the area resembled a war zone. As Seattle police fired tear gas canisters into the crowd and choked out the neighborhood... <laughs> Now there is a community garden, a harm reduction clinic, a free food co-op, and artwork everywhere, and local businesses are on board. As Vixen, a Seattle resident who has been par participating in the protests and declined to give a last name, told the Daily Beast from a quiet spot behind the barricades, this place has gone from being filled with explosions and tear gas to being a place of healing. Comparisons have predictably been drawn between Chaz and the Occupy movement, but in the place also known as Free Capitol Hill, there's one crucial distance. This time, some of the protesters are armed. 
members of the Puget Sound John Club, John Brown Gun Club, <laughs> a leftist community defense and firearms education organization that gained a spate of notoriety last year when a former member, Willem Van Spronson, set fire to an ICE parking lot, have been a constant presence. The club is often asked to provide security for protests and rallies around the Seattle area, and while their involvement in CHAZ is structured more loosely, the presence of armed civilians has raised a few eyebrows. Leftist gun clubs have been on the rise, and organizations like the Socialist Rifle Association, of which, full disclosure, I am a member of, Huey P. Newton Gun Club, Trigger Warning Queer and Trans Gun Club, and other chapters of the John Brown Gun Club have successfully introduced the issue of gun rights and firearms education into the broader leftist discourse, and Seattle John Brown members have generally been showing on an individual basis rather than as part of a coordinated campaign. But as Nick, the group's towering spokesperson, who like other members requested his full name be withheld given law enforcement's fixation on left-wing activists, told the Daily Beast the group was also tapped to provide a security escort for, quote, some very prominent black voices who were doing speeches here in the autonomous zone following the events of last Sunday evening. You can grab them. Pardon the technical difficulties. Bobby, come on, let's go, come on. Tucker, come on, let's go, come on. Let's go, Bobby, come on. Up, up. Come on. You know what's going on. Come on, up, up, up. See you later, Bobby. Good boy. That was Bobby, ladies and gentlemen. Back to the article. That's when a man named, uh, a man armed with a Glock with taped-on extended magazines, drove into a crowd of protesters and shot a civilian named Daniel Gregory in the arm. According to Nick and local news reports, the driver then ran over to the police, where he was taken into custody. Though a suspect has since been charged with first-degree assault, Vixen told the Daily Beast, quote, we have to rely on each other to protect each other. So right now, while police mostly steer clear of the zone, that's why they say, <laughs> that's what they say they're doing. Hmm. That was the article and that wasn't me giving snide comments but um right-wing media has worked itself into a lather over the specter of armed leftists patrolling the area's makeshift borders but that hysteria only underlines what activists see as their profound misunderstanding of both leftist gun culture and what exactly these people are defending themselves against as nick explains they're there to discourage white supremacist groups accelerationist boogaloo boys and violent gangs like the Proud Boys from trying to harm the people inside. Bum, ba -da -dum, bum, bum. Quote, It's not like our club is going, to for is going force to force against the police. That's not what we do, he told the Daily Beast. Their second and arguably more important goal, they say, is to ensure that everyone who is carrying inside Chaz is doing so safely and responsibly and ideally with community buy-in. According to Nick, members have been joined out on patrol by other armed locals, a hodgepodge of, quote, random community members, affinity groups, and Antifa that aren't labeled with a specific group. Uh, to, to broaden that, instead of it having it um, brief, abbreviated, it's uh, a hodgepodge of, quote, random community members, affinity groups, and anti-fascists that aren't labeled with a specific group who have reportedly been helping to fill in gaps in the barricades. The PSJBC's approach, as they describe it, is heavily focused on de-escalation, and they've been leaning on that training as various tensions have surfaced. Quote, That's kind of the world we live in, right? We have people who are disciplined with firearms and people who get into firearms who don't have that discipline. So when we see it, we're not policing people. The best we can do is educate people, Nick said. Quote, other people are carrying, and we want to make sure that people are carrying safely. So we're also discussing whether we can do trainings for people here, unquote. It's worth noting that Seattle's, Seattle's mayor, Jenny Durkin, set a ban on weapons on May 30th. In a Saturday statement, a spokesperson for the mayor's office told the Daily Beast of the Zone, quote, there have been in individuals with weapons, 
open carrying is legal in Washington state. While the CHAZ is within the area of the city, currently under a weapons ban, the emergency order establishing the weapons ban does not mandate enforcement. It gives officers the option to take certain actions, i.e. confiscate weapons if they deem it necessary. The city will continue to assess the area on a regular basis and work with communities and other stakeholders on a path forward that allows individuals to demonstrate businesses to continue their operations and preserves public safety for local residences, the spokesperson added. Officers in the East Precinct have continued to respond to calls. Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best and command staff have been on site at the East Precinct, including yesterday, and some personnel are now staffing the precinct. Unquote. The Seattle PD did not immediately respond to a qu- request for comment for this story. However, Chief Best told KIRO7 on Friday of the zone, quote, We don't want to exacerbate or intensify or incite problems that are going to lead to harm to the officers or the people who are standing by. We know that several are armed. We want to make sure that we are being very thoughtful about how we respond. Unquote. I, I, I really do not like this officer's posturing. That is just my personal opinion. She seems very standoffish and uncompromising, which is a word I've used twice now tonight. As is unsurprising unsur- for an evolving occupation composed of numerous organizations and political tendencies, not everyone is on the same page. Oh, Jesus. Reports of warlords trying to fill the vacuum left by the Seattle cops with their own police stylings have been highly exaggerated. But it is true that an activist was seen appearing to hand out a firearm from the back of a car. An action streamed on Facebook, drawing Twitter accolades from an unlikely source, neo-Nazi Richard Spencer. (laughs) Of course. Quote, Sure, they are occasionally people open carrying, and usually they're people of color. But all that they're doing is exercising the same Second Amendment rights that the three percenters and right-wingers never shut up about, Vixen, uh, Vixen's, who is also a PSJBC member, told the Daily Beast. But because they're afraid to, of the C-word, communist, right-wingers lose their minds over it. And unlike whatever's happening in their own personal fantasy, fantasy land, all this talk of the boogaloo without the rule of law, the threats of violence against these communities are actually credible. I agree. And while a more liberal project would undoubtedly balk at the mere thought of armed community members strolling through its midst, the explicitly leftist bent of the Chaz itself allows for a diversity of opinions on firearms and their use. Nick said that everyone he's spoken to has appreciated their presence, save for one older white man who spotted a black man open carrying and fretted, I thought this was a peaceful protest. Uh, There is no quote for that. Um, That's just offhand. But, you know, the same thing happened in city journals and, you know, could be uh, could be true or could be not. By all accounts on the ground, it is a peaceful protest. The protesters themselves say they are just not taking any chances on what or who may be lurking beyond their makeshift borders. Ultimately, the Chaz is a new stab at an ancient idea. As Scott Crow, anarchist agency spokesperson and author of Setting sights, histories, and reflections on community armed self-defense told the Daily Beast. It's important to remember that picking up guns, quote, doesn't make you more badass, he added. That taking an explicitly liberatory approach and focusing on safety and strategy, as PSJBC members say they've done, is paramount. Quote, guns are not automatically the most protective thing that you can have. Only in certain situations do they work, he explained. In my analysis, this is the time when it's needed. This is the time when you can go forth and protect the people who are there from random gunshots or anything without escalating the situation further. Unquote. There is no telling how long Free Capitol Hill will remain in its current form. Seattle police have begun popping up inside its Fox borders. Donald Trump, who deemed its inhabitants domestic terrorists, has called on Governor Jay Inslee and Mayor Durkin to break it up and threatened to use military force if they refused his demands. Both essentially told him to kick rocks. <laughs> and Socialist Seattle City Councilmember Kashama Sawand has floated legislation to convert the East Precinct into a permanent community center for restorative justice. Sawant, who also recently brought forth legislation 
banning police from using chemical weapons and chokeholds, said on Twitter that the process of deciding that conversion must include a broad range of perspectives, citing those involved in the CHAZ, black community organizations, restorative justice activists, faith leaders, anti-racists, renter organizations, land trusts, and labor unions that have proven that have a proven record of fighting racism. Yep. Because, you know, we're not going to be able to just destroy racism. It's It's been a fight that we've put off for... <sighs> till now. Uh, and as Crow explains, the tensions between various community defense strategies is normal and can even be healthy. Quote, nobody said autonomy or trying to build these spaces was going to be beautiful always. If you're not there to convert or to rule over people, it's always that way, he said. He would know, having co-founded the Common Ground Collective Autonomous Project that took root in New Orleans, Algiers neighborhood in 2005 post-Katrina. Quote, it's going to be messy along the way, and it's okay that it's going to be messy, because we haven't gotten to try this, and that's one thing that I hope we give each other a break about. Unquote. For now, occupants of Seattle's autonomous zone are building what they can in the time they've got left, providing a shot of inspiration to activists across the country. Conversations with radical activists suggest that these are discussions going on in at least three other major cities about how to follow their lead. If not in having armed civilians on hand, then at least in claiming public space free of traditional policing. Quote, if one barricade is fairly successful, whatever that looks like, even if it's in <laughs> anarchist pipe dreams where it seems successful because it did not get shut down by the cops for two weeks they will be duplicated again and again crow, uh, crow says it may not happen in the next few weeks or it might but it's definitely going to happen in the future unquote no matter what happens next the community defenders of free capitol hill believe they have drawn up a new blueprint however rough for what it can look like when the people take it upon themselves to defend and protect their communities. As calls to defund and abolish the police continue to pick up steam, this little slice of Seattle offers a stark reminder that a world without cops really is possible, however ephemeral it may be, and despite the potential for armed civilians to cause harm. Quote, Here's what's happened in the last few days of occupation. A lot less tear gas, Nick told the Daily Beast. That precinct has not gone on fire, and there's talk of turning it into a community center if we can get the police to leave. If somebody calls the police, they'll just show up 30 minutes late and end up swatting the wrong address and shooting someone's dog. Those are all things that we're missing, and I'm not sure that anybody here has any complaints about that." Unquote. All right, well, I, uh, well, geez, I like that article. It is, uh, I would say it's left-leaning. Uh, that was from Kim Kelly over at the Daily Beast. Uh, fine reporting. I think it was a great way to kind of maybe bridge the gap between radical ideas and uh, moderate living conditions. So I got to give shouts to Kim Kelly and the Daily Beast for actually providing... Um, I found that educational. I don't know if anybody else would find that terrifying. I'm sure there are, but that was... <laughs> wow. I, I learned a lot from that one. Just how important it is to really have the infrastructure to catch yourselves when you fall. And that's really what the community is because, I mean... We've seen it before, the, 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 the government will abandon. So, uh, coalition building, mutual aid, is pretty essential to the, to the survival of the community, past the state's intentions. So if you want more information on that, please go over to the Daily Beast. Kim Kelly reporting on Meet the Gun Club, patrolling Seattle's leftist utopia. The only thing I would, uh, I would say utopia in the making, just, uh, just a useless, unnecessary addendum, just because it's not quite the leftist utopia we would wish, which is like a fully autonomous zone that would be able to 
uh, trade and participate in the world stage as well because I don't think necessarily you could survive off isolationism because even some indig indigenous tribes can't uh, survive in those terms now like speaking of Amazon, Brazil and the Amazon as a broad example but I gotta get in here because the article is saved in my phone so I save it in my phone here and it goes into Twitch because I put it right there. Paste. Shoot it. Sources in the chat. Oh, shit. I don't have my chat there anymore. Hmm. All right. You do. Then. Nation and. Yes, yes, I bet the podcast is just getting a kick of listening to me click and search. Um, let's see here. Antifa, from your couch. Um, I think this is going to be a, another good article. If Wow, what the fuck? How do I have this article on my phone, but like... Bruh, <laughs> I typed it in. It's just not. It's just not finding it. Look, I had to go to like the actual all Google. It wasn't in the news segment. The news is just probably blocking out most terms with Antifa, unless it has something to do with the president fucking talking about it. I don't know. But that's just that's just what I had seen from that. Not digging it. No diggity. Nope. 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 All right. So. Uh, for the final article of this beautiful, beautiful Monday, Boomtown Rats, um, it's in a, uh, by Talia Lavin, or Lavin, Talia Lavin, uh, by the uh, in the Nation, <clears throat> how to be an anti-fascist from your couch. You don't have to punch Nazis to fight fascism. I, I wanted to read this just because I feel like it might bring hope for those hopeless romantics out there like me, that there might be a better future out there. <clears throat> so, let's begin. This week I started joining right-wing militias again. It's easy to find a variety of far-right, quote, patriot groups on Facebook, and most don't screen their membership. I joined as many pages as I could and monitored them for one thing. Was anyone planning to show up armed to Black Lives Matter protests? I also tracked several chats on Discord, a chatting app with text and audio capabilities focused around Boogaloo ideology, the loose, mostly white supremacist movement whose most ardent desire is to spark a race war. Boogaloo is derived from the 1984 breakdance movie sequel Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo. And the movement is similarly focused around a sequel, a second civil war. My goal there was the same. Find out about specific plans and record the gear and, uh, people said they had. One Discord group, for example, featured users boasting about their ARs, gun sites, SIG, Sours, and Glocks. And if any useful information cropped up, I could get in touch with people who would pass it on to activists on the ground. I use a, face, a fake Facebook account, which I've used dozens of times for this and similar purposes. The name is false, and the profile is built out with an array of far-right groups, quote, patriotic interests, and dog whistle posts designed to maintain plausibility. I've made so many accounts on so many apps over the past years that I have to take care not to lose track of my pseudonyms. Although it kicked into high gear during research for my book on the online far-right, infiltrating hate groups isn't just a strange hobby or a journalistic endeavor, it's anti-fascism. While the image that comes to mind when most people think about Antifa is a legion of black-clad militants ready to throw punches, this kind of research is anti-fascist work too. In fact, monitoring 
is integral to anti-fascist operations. Antifa is a series of organizing tactics and an ethos, not any specific organization. While any decentralized group encompasses a variety of ideas, Antifa consists of opposing fascist groups by any means available, including, if necessary, violence. For many anti-fascists, however, infiltration, monitoring, and research are their primary or sole ways of engaging in anti-fascism. Fighting militant fascist groups is a large and complicated endeavor, and while aiming a fist at a Nazi's face can be part of that opposition, it is only one way. Just as other forms of social activism require a diversity of tactics, the protester who marches, the planner who puts together a city budget to defend police forces, the person who attends city council meetings, so too does anti-fascism. The research is unglamorous, exhausting, and involves psychologically torture, torturous degrees of deception. You have to expose yourself to a disgusting mass of racist bile which takes a grinding toll on the spirit. It also must be done carefully. Members of far-right groups can and do target activists and their families with death threats, harassment, and even violence. But the work serves the sole purpose of Antifa, preventing the escalation of far-right organizing and defending our communities from their hatred. Anti-fascism online comes in a multitude of forms. Infiltrating far-right groups can help get the details of upcoming fascist marches. But in other instances, with false identities and nuanced understandings of the tensions between different racist groups, anti-fascists attempt to derail the far, far right by creating dissent from within. The journalist Aaron Gell reported on, in Medium's Gen magazine that an anti-fascist operation prevented a sequel to the deadly 2017 Unite the Right, right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. Through a scheme involving multiple fake personas and the careful stoking of conflict between paramilitary neo-Nazi groups and the more optics-oriented alt-light, anti-fascists called a planned 2018 march of a thousand far righties down to 20. Throwing punches isn't the only way to protect communities. With a lot of work and a little luck, you can throw fascists off their game. Another important tool of the anti-fascist researcher is the docs, identifying the real people be behind fascist pseudonyms. Last month, an anti-fascist Twitter account posted documentation that appeared to show that a middle school social studies teacher in South Carolina, Timothy Manning, was a key organizer of the 2017 Unite the Right rally. In a 20-tweet thread, the account identify Dixie, a spin on Identity Dixie, a neo-confederate group that describes themselves as quote, the true sons of the South, meticulously tied Manning to Discord and Twitter posts by SC Nazi and to enthusiastic planning of the 2017 Charlottesville rally online, Manning allegedly referred to building showers, i.e. gas chambers, for Jews, used images of SS iconography, and deplored kike power. Identified Dixie seems to show Manning arranging transportation and accommodation for the members who shouted, quote, Jews will not replace us in Charlottesville. All the while, he taught children and coached the girls volleyball team at Pleasant Hill Middle School in Lexington, South Carolina. One day, after the anonymous account posted the damning documentation, the school placed Manning on his administrative leave. Though Manning denied having Nazi ties, a further investigation by the state revealed other white supremacist social media activity, uh, activity by Manning and his father. Last week, Manning quit rather than wait for a reinstatement. I spoke to the person behind the Identified Dixie Twitter account who wishes to remain anonymous about the role of research in anti-fascism. Quote, I feel that knowledge is power. The distance of being online has always allowed people to feel more comfortable saying and doing things they wouldn't ever think about doing face to face. Unquote. The person told me by Twitter DM. Quote, I use that same anonymity to show the extremist online abusers to their community. I feel community shame kept many from being bad before, and I bring that aspect back to their lives. The online spaces where fascists congregate are spaces where hatred is open and gleeful. 
In the chats I've monitored, I've seen countless racial slurs, grisly videos of black people dying, the exchange of racist books and texts, and incitement to violence against Jews. But when these streams of invective, when the but when these streams of invective are tried, are, are tied to a face and a name and revealed to neighbors and employers, a social cost is reimposed on such racist behavior. The person behind the identified Dixie Twitter account told me that since establishing the account in 2019, they have unmasked three different teachers, a Florida Highway Patrolman and an active duty military officer as being part of neo-Nazi and neo-Confederate groups. Their primary sources are an archived edition of a Facebook vetting group that required would-be neo-Confederates to confirm their real name and face before joining Identity Dixie. And the massive searchable cache of far-right discord chats leaked to the leftist media outlet Unicorn Riot. The rest is careful cross-referencing on social media and search engines from Google to Bing and Yandex. Over the course of two years, the activist has outed 30 members of Identity Dixie to their communities. I'm a southerner, they told me. It's why I target them mostly and why I hate or and why their hate is a danger to me and those I love. That was Identity Dixie. The core of Antifa is just that protecting those you love from hatred. For those not temperamentally inclined or physically able to hit the streets or to hit Nazis, there are ways to participate that are no less valuable or radical. Research and monitoring take fortitude, savvy, deception, and a willingness to engage in obsessive digital sourcing, but our necessary work. This is not terrorism, as the Trump administration claims, but the prevention of terror. And if you're willing, you too can be an anti-fascist from your couch. Hmm. That's the thing about the internet. Is it lets you rule the world from your couch. And then, yeah, I just wanted to leave this solemn Monday night with that wonderful Get To It article by Talia Levin. Levin, jeez. I am the worst of the worst, but I have been your best host that I could be. Um, if you like, do all that reviewing and liking and subscribing, all that shit that people say, um, or don't. I'm not in any position to tell you what to do. Um, I'm over at Twitter, at Class Observer. Uh, I'm on Facebook, at Knowledge Plug. Normally, I just react to news like I did with The Hill and city journal but i wanted to read some articles that were a little bit more positive a little bit more about how action is being taken uh, about how action is being moved across the united states we pushing weight boy so you better get on to it And always remember, stay revolutionary.